that is a long ending note on that on that um what's that thing called roll in roll in couldn't think of it it's been a long three weeks it's been a good three weeks but it's been a long three weeks we have talked about a ton of things in fact Harley talked about in the first uh the first week of this series he talked about how a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks is almost going to be like trying to drink water out of a fire hydrant. There's going to be so much information, and we know that we haven't covered everything, but we, we've really, over the course of this series, we hope that we've kind of covered a few very important principles. One is that we hope we've done a good job of narrowing down or um, of really defining the fact that hostage takers, um, it's important to separate toxic behavior just toxic behavior from actually toxic people, okay? And, and we hope that over the course of the last few weeks, we've defined that hostage takers really aren't just people who bother you. It's not just people you don't like to the point, you know, where you just don't want to be around them or you don't want to uh, be connected with them in any way. And I, we've talked about how a hostage taker is actually someone in your existence who is working and manipulating everything around them so that they can gain some manner of control over you. And we've talked about how if a hostage taker fails in controlling what you do, then they're going to shift tactics and they're going to try to begin controlling the way that you think. And then if they can't control what you think, then they're going to do everything that they can to dominate a portion of your time. And very often the way that they're going to do that is they're going to force you into some type of an argument. And some of your time, any of your time in many cases, is what they're looking for. They're needing some type of control there. Even if that time that they receive from you is spent in negative conflict. That's okay to a hostage taker. The hostage taker is going to do everything that they can to gain your loyalty. But if they can't have your loyalty, then in many cases, they're going to do what they can to ruin you, ruin your reputation, ruin your character. Um, that's, that's hostage-taking behavior. Now, I've found myself in hostage-taking relationships like that in the past. In fact, for the majority of my 2019, I spent um, the better part of a year dealing with multiple, multiple hostage takers, in some cases, Harley, on a day-by-day basis, coming from all kinds of different directions. Uh, Harley is in the same boat. He has experienced uh, hostage-taking relationship to that. We've all, his life at times, and without question, everyone in this room can probably relate to that. We've all experienced being in a hostage relationship. And even if we maybe haven't experienced direct hostage-taking relationships, we can probably all relate to this statement that we have watched others around us be tied up and bound very, very tightly by hostage relationships. Yeah, and we've said every week that Cole and I, we are not experts in how to handle this or deal with it. We are actually learning alongside you. We're simply in this series trying to present to you as accurately as possible what is being taught to us. Also in week number one, we said that uh, our starting place in, in dealing with this is and learning how to deal with a hostage taker, it is not uh, really to look at how we respond to them or getting a new, better response. That's not the starting place. 
we first really have to look at how we have been responding. Because there's something about how we've been responding that has not worked because we are still usually in some of those hostage-taking cycles in the relationship. So it hasn't been working. So what we said in week one, we need to empty out our box of hostage negotiation techniques. We need to get rid of those. And then in week number two, we said, okay, let's replace those. Let's, let's use some healthy, kind of God-given, God-directed techniques we can use these now in our hostage negotiation toolbox. And each week of this series has built upon the previous week. It's laid a foundation for that. Last week, uh, week number three, we answered a big question, and that was, when is it time to walk away from the relationship? So after we have eliminated our bad responses and we have added in and began to use our more healthy, God-given responses in this situation, and nothing has seemed to work, nothing has changed that relationship with our hostage taker, we then ask, well, what then? And we showed you in the Old Covenant where uh, there was a good example of, of, of walking away from that relationship. And then we even jumped into the New Testament, the New Covenant, and we showed you where Jesus actually tells us it is time, at this moment, time to walk away from that relationship. But what do we do when we simply can't walk away from a hostage taker? What do we do when all of those other things that we've tried and walking away is not an option? Uh, it's not an option for multiple reasons. Maybe uh, the hostage taker in your experience is a coworker. And it's somebody that you have to be around and you have to deal with every day. Walking away is not an option. What if it's a relative? Somebody in your uh, circle of relatives that you are required to have a relationship with. And, and walking away is not an option. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a church attender that you attend church with. Maybe it's someone in this room right now. And you just you can't walk away. Or maybe, and I, I hate to even bring this up because I'm kind of the small group guy, you know, but maybe it's someone in your small group. And at that period of time during that, uh, maybe in this trimester right now, you have someone in your small group that for the moment, walking away is just not an option. Maybe it's a neighbor. You can't move. You're stuck. You've got a mortgage and you've got, you know, this is it. So walking away is not an option. Um, now, as we've talked about, when we can walk away from a hostage taker, we probably and usually should. But when that's not an option, when walking away is not an option, whether because of financial necessity, a work constraint, a family relationship, or maybe, maybe your God-given mission, my God-given mission, our God-given mission requires us in some way to live or to work with that hostage taker. What do we do then? Yeah, that, and that is a tough place for us to land today because that is a reality. And it's a reality for us. We can't always walk away. And so we said Jesus showed us an example of when to walk away, but Jesus also gives us an example of how we can live when the hostage taker must remain very close to us by our side. 
Um, we're going to look at three big things um, from Jesus that we can learn from him based upon his relationship with a hostage taker. And that hostage taker, his name is Judas. And so we're going to find out how can we live around and how can we work around, how can we be around a hostage taker when we can't walk away? And how can we do that without going crazy? That's going to be our hope. Now, let me give you just a little snapshot uh, background on Judas here. Judas was one of the 12 disciples, and that means he also traveled with Jesus. He followed Jesus very closely um, from town to town, as all the disciples did. And Jesus, we know this, Jesus actually chose Judas. Judas didn't just show up in the group and say, hey guys, I'm going <laughs> to tag along. Jesus chose him. Jesus, in that choosing, knew who Judas was and what he was all about. Now, the disciple, the Apostle John, is going to give us a snapshot of Judas. We're, we're actually, we're going to have three or four different individual snapshots of some events where the relationship between Judas and Jesus are, are front and center. Uh, we don't have a full picture. We don't have the full video, if you will, of Judas's experience. So we don't know why he is the way he is or, or anything along those lines. But what we can discover very clearly from these snapshots are that Judas is a hostage taker and his uh, focus is Jesus. Now, uh, the first snapshot that we're going to use is there was a woman that came to the feet of Jesus and she broke open a bottle of very very, very, one more, very expensive perfume. It's very expensive. Uh, and she used it to wash the feet of Jesus. Broke it open and washed the feet of Jesus. And John, kind of again, he gives us this snapshot in John chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 4. Um, verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, now, we're going to hit the pause button just for a second. And make this very clear. Judas wanted to control Jesus, period. Judas wanted to control Jesus. That was his purpose. He wanted Jesus to be the Messiah that Judas thought Jesus should be. And that betrayal was a part of his plan to control Jesus. Judas, without question, is a hostage taker. And he is trying in the way he talks, the way he responds, the way he thinks, the way he operates, he's trying to control the situation. And in this snapshot, according to verse 5, this is what Judas said. When he sees the woman break open this very expensive bottle of perfume and wash Jesus' feet, Judas says, verse 5, that perfume was worth a year's wages. That's very expensive. A year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, if we just stop right there, we look at it and go, oh, okay, well, Jesus is, you know, he's, he's got a pretty good perspective. He's looking at things through a positive perspective. But then if we continue on to verse 6 and we kind of get he was a thief to Judas's response. This is what John said. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief and since he was in charge of the disciples' money. We, we know that Judas kind of was like the, the treasurer of the, of the disciples. Since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now, this is important. This kind of sets the scene for the remainder of our time this morning. This is important. If John knew that Judas was a thief, and we know that he did because verse 6 tells us that. If John knew that Judas was a thief, Jesus knew as well. And guess what? 
Jesus never chose to stop him. Yeah, that's a big deal. Jesus knew that Judas was a thief, and he also knew Judas was more than a thief. So here's another snapshot of Judas and Jesus. Um, this happens just after a time that Jesus had done some teaching to a very large group of people, and the teaching was so tough that a lot of the people left that day who were following Jesus from town to town, and they never followed him again. And so now Jesus has something to say about that in John chapter 6. First, it says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Now, not the 12, but he addresses the 12. As those people are leaving, here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Are you going to leave too? You know? And Simon, in verse 68, says, Lord, to, to whom... Um, would we go, you know? Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words, the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And now Jesus has this moment. He says, all right, I, I chose the 12 of you. Now this includes Judas. And then he says, but one is a devil. He knows that Judas is more than a thief. And then in verse 71, John tells us he was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. Jesus knew that Judas was a thief. He knew he was more than a thief, more like a hostage taker. Jesus could have stopped Judas at any moment from stealing, from being a hostage taker. He could have. He could have kicked Judas out of the group and kicked him out of the 12 at any time, Jesus could have done that. And that would have separated them from Judas the thief and the hostage taker. But Jesus did not kick Judas out. Which leads us to ask the question, why? Why didn't he? And part of the answer to that, we may not know the full answer, but part of the answer to that is, Jesus had a bigger plan. Jesus was involved in a bigger mission. And in order for Jesus to complete that mission, he had to seek the Father's kingdom first. He also had to raise up a band of disciples. In other words, he had into those lives. And trustworthy people that we've been talking about since week one. And invest into those lives. And then, ultimately, Jesus, he had to die on the cross. So here's our first big point today. We're going to have three of those. Here's the first one. Jesus didn't leave his mission to start a new mission of stopping all the hostage takers around him from sinning. Another way to say that might be that Jesus just wasn't sidetracked by other missions like so often we are uh, by the people who are around us, like so often I am. Jesus wasn't sidetracked. He stayed on mission. For Jesus to pause his mission, his purpose, which Harley has already talked about what that mission was. For Jesus to pause his mission, to try to straighten out Judas from his stealing, and to try to change Judas from his hostage-taking behavior. For, for Jesus to do that, to hit the pause button on why he was here, to go and focus on this thing over here, 
which looks to be a good endeavor, but for him to change his hitting the pause button on Jesus, it, it would almost be like a brain surgeon in the middle of surgery hitting the pause button and going and clipping the fingernails of the patient and giving them a manicure. Just doesn't make sense. And, and right now you're thinking, well, that would be stupid. It would be. It would be stupid. But that would be the equivalent of Jesus pausing his mission to try to fix Judas. Jesus had so many more important things to accomplish. In fact, and this is big, the mission of Jesus was not to stop everyone around him from sinning. And Jesus can teach us a really very important point, uh, important point here. Because our mission, as we've talked about in week one, and we've alluded to several times over the course of these weeks, our mission, if we're a follower of Christ, is to seek God and to seek His kingdom first for our lives. And then to share God's love with the world around us. And that world being the people that we are in contact with, the people we so our purpose is the people that uh, we come into contact on a daily basis. That's my world. So our purpose is to seek God, seek His kingdom, share His love with the people around them, and then entrust everything that we've learned, everything that we have grown to understand as we've changed in our experience of following Jesus, entrust it to trustworthy people. Our mission has nothing to do with confronting every sin that we hear about or every sin that we know about even if it's a hostage-taking family member or co-worker now we want to have a side note here because parents of course if your child is still living at home then confronting their sin very specifically it is appropriate because it's it's an appropriate part of raising that child up but at family reunions, at family gatherings, at work, or just around your life with, with people who are hard-hearted and you're just kind of stuck with them, our job is not to be the sin detectives. Uh, we're not to be that person who's just looking to share our opinions and our thoughts with those people who are messing up and, and certainly in this hostage-taking scenario, those people who could not care less about what we have to say. You see, Jesus could have spent every minute of his day, every single day, confronting and correcting every one of the sins of the disciples. Peter, I saw you smoking in the boys' room. Smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> John, John, I heard that. John says, but Jesus, I didn't say anything. That's not fair. I can't do voices, so you're taking it to a level I can't do. You're just not weird like me. Okay. You've got to be weird. But <laughs> Thank Jesus, you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. And Jesus says, I know. I heard you think it. And you over there. <laughs> Quit being such a suck-up. Nobody likes suck-ups. Yeah, Harley. Nobody likes suck-ups. <laughs> right. So Jesus, even though he knew about everything that was going on, every, every life that he came into contact with, he knew everything. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they had done. He knew it. 
He didn't address everything. Jesus stayed on his mission. He, he stayed on his purpose, which was training the people that he came into contact with and marching to the cross. That was his purpose, and he stayed focused on that, even though he knew everything that every person he came into contact had done. Jesus focused on the trustworthy, even though the hostage taker was literally still in the circle. He focused on the trustworthy. Jesus let things slide. He just let things go, and so should we. Um, that adult child who brings a sugar mama to the family reunion, let it go, let it slide. Uh, you know, that, that aunt that you have that is over on the other side of the room at the family gathering and you know, drinking a little bit too much, getting a little bit too loud and saying things that they really shouldn't be saying, let it go, let it slide. That's what Jesus did. He let it slide. Um, the coworker that hasn't filed a tax return in over five years and they keep getting away with it and every year the Internal Revenue Service is on your doorstep, let it go. Let it slide. Jesus, let it go. Um, sin really isn't the problem anyway. When we look at the totality of the new covenant and we look at all of these examples, really the problem boils down to a separation from God. Yeah. And you know, if we could learn to develop that, which is very difficult. If we hey, can, hey, I'm not saying that I'm yeah. good at it. <laughs> We're if, learning. We are. And if we could learn to develop that, that we don't have to address everything, it allows us to feel free as we can to enjoy people, or at least other people, and to, to love them without having to serve as their personal sin pointer outer. Merely seeing people sin in our presence doesn't require us to act as the prosecuting attorney and the judge and the jury. If we make that our new goal in the relationship with a hostage taker, we will never get our mission accomplished that God's given us. So instead of making a big deal about it, making a scene over it, making sure that everyone around us knows how we disapprove of the hostage taker and what they're doing, instead, perhaps we need to find in that environment or that family reunion or at work or we need to find a searching soul someone we can go to and just quietly encourage and just quietly bless them and inspire them and challenge them in other words we need to do what Jesus did find a trustworthy person find in his case then 11 other trustworthy people and for us, we need to find them and quietly invest in them instead. Now, let's look at another interaction that Jesus had with Judas. So, hours before Jesus was going to be arrested, Jesus actually washed the feet of his disciples. Just hours before, that night before he would be tortured and die. And he washed their feet, including the feet of Judas. So Jesus took his two holy hands, the, hand, the most holy hands ever created, 
Those hands that soon would be tortured and then nailed to a cross. He took those hands and Jesus washed the feet of a hostage taker. The same hostage taker, Judas, who is filled with venom. He's filled with pride. He's filled with manipulation. And yet Jesus continually offers every opportunity he possibly can to make things right. See, I can't say the same. Allow the hostage taker to make Jesus hate him. I can't say the same in, in many instances in my life and in my experience, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't respond to the person trying to control him by trying to control the hostage taker. Jesus didn't respond to the hostage taker's toxic behavior with toxic behavior of his own. He didn't do it. We can't find a single instance in the New Covenant in the relationship of Jesus and Judas where Jesus ever showed any of that. In fact, as Jesus, or excuse me, as Judas, I was afraid I was going to do that. As Judas walked up to Jesus at the arrest, at the moment that he was about to betray Jesus, he was about to send Jesus on the path of of torture, pain, suffering, and eventually death. At that moment, Matthew chapter 26, verse 50 tells us that the way that Jesus responded really tells us all we need to know. Remember, Judas is about to betray him. He is about to send Jesus to his death. And Jesus says in verse 50, Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. The last words, some of the last words, my friend. Not me. I probably can't say what I would have said in that scenario. I have written up here more like jerk. That's probably PG. I don't know what I would have said. I wouldn't have called him a friend. But Jesus said friend. He didn't respond back with venom. Big point. Harley talked about one. Big point, our second big point. This is big. Jesus didn't allow the toxic behavior of Judas to become his toxic behavior. He didn't treat Judas the way Judas treated him. And the same can be said for us. We, we can't treat the hostage taker the way that the hostage taker treats us. We don't give them evil for evil that they have given us. Uh, we maintain our mission and our character just like Judas or Jesus did with Judas. And again, our, our mission, our purpose, seek the kingdom and pass it on to trustworthy people. We, we keep on our mission. We've got one more snapshot of the experience between Judas and Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Man, I'm really struggling with these two J words right now. We, we've got one more snapshot between the hostage taker and the hostage, the would-be hostage. And it happens um, a few hours before the arrest. In fact, it happened on the same evening that Jesus washed the feet of Judas. The same evening. Uh, and we're going to see Jesus be very honest and very truthful with Judas here. In Mark chapter 14, verse 21. These are, these are the words of Jesus. Verse 21, for the Son of Man must die as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. That's pretty direct. 
Jesus did not pretend. Here's taking actions of Judas were not poisonous. He didn't pretend. Here's big point number three. Jesus was truthful with the hostage taker. He didn't pretend that it wasn't toxic. That's another big point. Now again, hours later, when Judas is signaling the soldiers and the guards who to arrest, he does that by greeting Jesus with a kiss. It was a normal uh, Middle Eastern and European greeting. And he, he says, the person I greet, that's going to be him. Judas does that. And Jesus, he doesn't pretend that it's not toxic. He says this to Judas in Luke 22. He says, but Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Even in calling Judas a friend, Jesus is not pretending that what Judas is doing is not toxic. It is. Now, when we cannot walk away from a relationship, we don't have to pretend that that person is not toxic. We don't have to make excuses for them. I mean, we don't have to, to pretend that, well, you know, they probably mean well. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to, to excuse them away like, oh, they're just misguided. We don't have to pretend that they, they didn't mean any harm. We don't have to make excuses for them. And that's pretty good news for us because knowing that we don't have to pretend that everything's okay and that what they're doing is okay and excuse that away can possibly, when we are faced with a situation where we can't walk away, it could help us not go crazy over this situation. Because hostage takers are experts at gaslighting. That is to make us feel crazy for us admitting the truth about what's going on. Because if we don't hold on to the truth and, and, and having to work with and deal with this hostage taker can make us feel crazy. But you know, God is a God of order. And if in that relationship there is the presence of craziness, that is a clear sign that something in that relationship is poisonous. Now, we're ending this series here. Cole's headed back to the drum. The band's, uh, well, more than one drum, the drums, and the band is on their way up. But, Listen to this. In your relationship with a hostage taker, the one that you cannot walk away from, when things are getting crazy, when they are, and they will, and when they are, we need extra time, even in that very moment, we need extra time praying to God. And here's why. Because when things are going crazy around us, and sometimes as a result even inside of us, we need to take that to God because it is only God who can bring order back to us. And He may not bring order 
in what they are doing or saying or how they're acting, but He can bring order and balance back to you. God can bring me and you back to center, even if the hostage taker is way off center. And I think that tells us something, that we can trust God with everything. And not just with everything, we can trust God through everything. We can trust God even through relationships that we can't walk away from with a hostage taker. And I want to give you some proof. Here's some proof. Paul gives us some proof in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. And I believe that includes hostage takers. Anxiety with that. But in everything, I believe that includes hostage taker situations. By prayer and petition, that is taking it to God. If we're out of balance, if it's out of balance, take it to God. He'll bring you back to center, even if not them, you back to center. And how do we do it? Take it to God with thanksgiving. We're not thankful for what is happening. We're thankful, a spirit of thankfulness, even in the midst of bad things. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Everything. And here's the result that only God can do. And the peace of God, verse 7, and the peace of God. God bringing me back to center. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, that's a nice way of Paul saying, it just doesn't make sense. I can't explain it. I don't know how he does it, but only he can do it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Wow, that is so powerful. Is where we end the series. In Christ Jesus. And this is where we end the series. There's more we could say, but we've got to end it somewhere, and this is where we're going to end it. Now, I'm going to encourage you, because we're getting ready to give you some nuggets that we're going to end today with. And I would encourage you to take your phone out and snap a picture of these, because there's quite a few of them, and there's no way that we can remember these just by hearing them. So the, these are some things, I, for some of us, we just really need. Take a picture of it so you can take it with you. I'm going to give them to you in two sets. So at least take a picture at the end of each set, and I'll, I'll give you a heads up. You might take one all the way through with each one. That's up to you. So here are some nuggets. When we can't walk away, these are some things, some takeaways for today. Here's the first one. Don't try to control a controller. These are all things we learned from Jesus. Don't try to control a controller. Here's the second one. Don't let their bad day become your bad day. That's a big one. We must learn to keep a healthy distance between us. You may not be able to walk away, but we can learn how to have some distance between us, right? They don't have to be in your back pocket. and You don't have to let it happen. Learn how to have some distance. Here's the next one, and this next one's going to end this first set. So at least make sure you get a picture of this set. Don't treat them how they are treating you. Don't become toxic with them. Don't treat them how they are treating you, okay? That's the first set. Now we're going to move into the next set, set two. 
Keep your mission first. Don't start a new mission of you trying to keep them from sinning. No, no, no. Keep your mission that God has given you first. Here's the next one. Don't take their drama home with you. Leave it with them. In other words, don't give them any real estate in your mind. This is so difficult because we take that home with us, don't we? We take it home with us and we think about it. We think of, we rehearse the conversations. And when we do that, they are controlling what we think about. Don't take it home with you. Leave that drama, leave their drama with them. Don't give them any real estate right here. Here's the next one. Be thankful that we don't have to pretend that the hostage takers are not hostage takers. We don't have to pretend that toxic isn't toxic. We just have to learn how to live in ways that are not toxic for us. So as we interact with them, we have to learn how to live in a non-toxic way and be around them. And here's the key to that. The only way to do it is for us to follow God closely. That is the key. It's the only way. Now we're going to end with two songs. And I'm just going to ask, would you let this song be your plea? I'm going to let it be my plea. Will you let it be? This can be, let this song be our prayer. This can be a next step for us right now at this very moment. And here's what I want to say, and I hope your heart is saying it with me. Jesus, we're coming to you. Jesus, we're coming to you just as we are. And we want you to take us, Jesus, and don't leave us just as we are right now. But will you take us, and will you rearrange us, and will you change us? And we declare to you this, Jesus, we, we need you.